Hungry for change in your life? Feed your ambition with Board Bia Talent Academy's Insights and Innovation Program. Get some incredible food for thought with a fully funded master's from DCU Business School. Learn from world-class innovators with placements in Irish food, drink and horticulture companies. And do it all while bringing home the bacon with a generous monthly bursary. Sound like your cup of tea? Nourish your career prospects by visiting boardbia.ie forward slash talent academy. Applications closing soon. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun and put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, OK, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wechter, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. Now, we're talking about weather and weather apps in particular because in the last four to six weeks, you think you're going to have a couple of hours of sunshine. You hang the washing out. You go out for a walk with the dog. 20 minutes later, it's not just rain, it's hailstones. And people are relying an awful lot on their phone's apps and they're starting to ask, look, what the hell is going on here? Like, why is my iPhone app so wrong? so much of the time. Well, to talk a little bit about this, I'm joined by Alan O'Reilly, who anyone who's online on social media will know him from his tag of Carlo weather, because that's what his main passion in life is. He's also a, his day job as a customer experience manager in Black Knight. But Alan O'Reilly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Edwin. So this is something that we've spoken about. I wrote about it during the week as well. Um, apps, the apps on your phones, why are they getting it wrong relatively often? Well, especially at the moment, we have a weather setup which is quite tricky to forecast, to be fair. But the problem with a lot of apps is they're very, well, obviously they're automated. So most of them have no manual input, but they're also using different weather models. And some of them are using lower resolution weather models, especially. What does that mean? What does lower resolution mean? So I suppose if if you think about each of Ireland broken up into, into squares and what size those squares mm. are. So the lower resolution has about a square of about 28 kilometers wide. So within, there's only that many squares over Ireland. The higher resolution has a square, which is 2.5 kilometers. So a lot more. That's squares. a big difference. It's a huge difference. It's kind of like I was comparing it to SD and HD. It's kind of like looking at a picture that's in low resolution. Okay. Mm. And then looking at a picture that's in high resolution. And the difference there is obviously very different. So Yeah, but the, the SD picture will still tell you or show you roughly what's going on in the area. It's just that it'll be fuzzy. With these, with some of the apps, like 28 kilometers, I could be at the bottom of a hill and, you know, 15 kilometers across the way, it might be lashing rain. I might see the sun. I mean, it's, that's, it, you know, that's a quite a wide area, isn't it? 28 it, kilometers? It is. But again, as you say, it's a general picture. So like the SD will give you a general overview. So, you know, mm. if everywhere is shown clear blue skies and sunshine for the whole of Ireland, then it's not really as important. But when you get this kind of mixed weather and you have a low pressure system and you're trying to predict where is this band of rain going to hit or where is the strong winds going to hit, then it makes a huge difference. So we could say rain is going to move in from the west, but it could be that it hits, you know, Galway, but misses Mayo. 
Um, and mm. if you if you're looking at the lower that never happens, by the way, I can tell you from first hand <laughs> experience. But go on. But if, if although you, although small point last year, Balmullet, which is the place I go to in Northwest May, which nobody knows, but it's a, actually a beautiful place. It's supposed to be the wettest place in Ireland in 2020, I believe it was the sunniest place in Ireland. Yeah, and you get these massive variants. Like a recent example, 21 degrees in Kerry, 11 degrees in Dublin. Now, mm. you know, you get these big variants. I know, and then we can start getting all the Kerrymen with their, oh, the Costa of Ireland yeah. and all this stuff. But, but, but going back to the weather model of low resolution versus high resolution, when you're trying to forecast for your area, and that's partly, I think, the problem with these apps, is it, let you, it uses GPS a lot of the time to pinpoint your location. So it mm. kind of gives you a sense of that in this particular part of your county in Ireland, this forecast is for you. So it kind of gives you a sense of, oh, so this is for Tullow in County Carlow, not Carlow Town, mm. not Bagnus Town, and makes you think that it's for that area. And it can be, in fairness, when it's on the high res. But it's kind of tricking you is what you're saying. It, it has detected your exact area from your location, your phone's location. Yes. It's not saying that it is delivering to you a pinpoint weather forecast for that location exactly and on the lower resolution when you're looking at especially beyond a couple of days really and truly you could be within 100 kilometers and it's not yeah. going to make that much of a difference i mean i think really what most people what gets most people go really is the next few hours the next one two five six you know seven hours when they're about to go out somewhere they're wondering should they bring you know uh, their their coat with them and um, the iPhone and Samsung phones, they use slightly different default preloaded apps because um, this is one of the things I looked into. And the iPhone's app uses uh, the, the weather company, which used to be the weather channel. It's now actually a division of IBM. And I looked the, um, their information up and they appear to use this wide area that you spoke about, like 15, 20, 28 kilometers or so. You go into MetAaron's app. So I asked MetAaron about this. They say that their measurement, contrary to the preloaded apps on phones, if you download their app, it's two and a half kilometers across. So they're way more precise. Yeah. Now, the only caveat there is that's only for about 48 hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So for the next yeah. 48 hours, yeah. for the next two days. But that's still a big advantage. Oh, it's, I mean, if, it's massive. If, you know, if you're if you're on a Friday and you're looking ahead for the weekend, mm -hmm. to be able to more accurately say that Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning is going to be a nice clear day, or at least it's not going to be raining. Yeah, it's huge to me. It is no, it is, and that that short range weather forecasting has really improved, and that's where the Harmony model, which feeds that information into the Aaron app, is really really good, and it really does have a much better handle on what's going to happen. So, as you say, if you're Thursday or Friday and you're thinking about barbecue on a Saturday, it's really going to have a really good handle on what weather is coming. However, if you try and look at it, maybe maybe on Monday or Tuesday and plan that a little bit further out, well, then you're using the ECMWF, which is the European weather model, which while it is a very good weather model, it doesn't have the same low res or high resolution. So it is a lower resolution model. So that's well, why- And just again, to repeat, when you say low resolution, what you mean is it's a wider area. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It can't give the same detailed outlook that 
you know, that's for, for, for 2.5 kilometers square, basically. And and the problem there is that's where people get frustrated. At least a lot of people message me is I'm looking at my weather app mm. and it's changing every day because it's shown that it was going to be sunny. Now it's saying rain. And, and really and truly, it really does depend on what app, what weather model and how far out you are. But also the weather setup. If we have a big high pressure, then you can confidently say, you know, this is what it's going to be. But when you have mm. showers, like we have really heavy tundry downpours at the moment. But we also have, like, I have a friend who sent me a picture from um, a beach in the west of Ireland enjoying the sunshine. And it was absolutely lashing rain in Carlow. You know, so mm. when you have setups like that, it, no app, no weather model is going to be able to tell you exactly where the shower hits. And that's where the weather radar comes into a plant. So that's recording what's happening with the rain now. It's picking up, it's detecting the rainfall. And you can see, if you play the, the animation, you can see which way the showers are moving and developing. And that's really, if you're thinking about heading out for a walk, it's a radar you should be checking, really. The one of the things that frustrates me about MedAaron's app, and so the top five apps in both app stores are MedAaron is either always one or two. Um, it's currently number one in uh, the iPhone app store, number two in Android. Uh, the weather app, which is for the iPhone, comes preloaded, so therefore is used a lot. Weather and Radar UK, Ireland, both for Android and iPhone. Yor, which I think is a Norwegian yep. uh, app. Uh, for free for iPhone and Android, and then AccuWeather. The the thing about MedAaron's app is, even with all this technical advantage in terms of accuracy, it's clunky. I find it clunky too. You mentioned the radar uh, mm -hmm. feature there. You mentioned the animation. Fantastic. When I go on to MedAaron's rainfall um, radar uh, animation, it's default animations to show me what's happened in the last two hours up to now. Mm -hmm. Useless. I mean, that's useless to me. Um, on you know, unless I want to historically know, I want to know whether my garden's been watered, you know. Um, and the one thing I do find with the MedAaron app is, it's there are bits of it that just are kind of not that well put together. Their remit, I don't think, is the same rate as the other app. The other apps all have millions of dollars behind them in terms of design and user interface. The MedAaron app. Well, is it for farmers? Is it for professional fishermen? Is it for other meteorological organizations? You, you open the app and it shows you, you know, the different um, forecasts for the different provinces, you know, national forecasts. And to me, it's kind of tricky and hard to get to my area. Like I'd love to, if it, you know, here's my 2.5 kilometers. This is, you know, this is what I want to know. You know? Yeah. And, and funnily enough, some of those things you've, you've said there, people have messaged me and I've I have no association with MedAaron, but I've actually been telling people how to use the app quite a bit because mm. people have been struggling even to find a menu to try and find the, some of the forecast maps. And I think people find the website pretty good now. Originally, I think a lot of people were kind of finding it hard, but they're trying to find the same thing on the app and they're struggling with it. And also, I know one frustration um, for a lot of people was that if it couldn't locate your GPS or if you didn't allow it to locate your GPS, it always defaulted to Dublin. And that used mm. to really frustrate people who are not in Dublin mm. because it used to, instead of asking you to input your location, it would just assume that we'll, we'll just default to Dublin. Now, obviously, you can change it and you can search. And to be fair, the search is quite good, but it is a little bit clunky. I think the home screen is trying to show you too many things rather yeah, than, it is. than giving it is. you the basics and then letting you go from there, really. I mean, it, I remember when Yahoo Weather uh, was first introduced and its big advantage over the others was nothing to do with accuracy. It was to do with the animations and the way it was presented. It was mm -hmm. really nice. 
It was really, the animations were really, really nice. It'd been well thought through. I mean, to be fair to developers, the app developers, there are a hundred different decisions that they have to make. I think the MetAaron app kind of shows the the difficulty there when, you know, you, you can't compete with, you know, Yahoo or AccuWeather or mm-hmm. these giant organizations that, that have very sophisticated uh, tech teams and, and app developers. Um, but even still, uh, it's just a shame because in the App Store, the MedAaron app has a 2.8 rating, which isn't great, mm. you know, to be honest. I think it's trying to be all things to all people as well. Mm. So as you said, you know, fishermen, farmers, general, like there's a lot of information in there and some people will really want to get into the nitty gritty and look at different things. Right. But there's a large general population that just want the forecast and they just want to see what it is. And if they figure out how to use a rain radar and how to read that and how to look at it, well then if they have the option of clicking in to find it, that's fine. But really and truly, I mean, the beauty of the weather app is you open it, it gives you what it is at the moment. And then it shows you what's going to happen hour by hour. And it's pretty simple, really. Now, how accurate it is, then that becomes the problem, really. So it's a, it's a trade-off. And as you say, it's about that balance of the UX versus you know the data. And one is only as good as the other, because if you have all the data and it's really accurate, but you don't have the UX design then to allow people to, I suppose, explore it and get it easily, that's going to be an issue. Yeah, exactly. And again, just this isn't a Met Aaron bashing session. To, to be fair, once again, their remit is much broader mm-hmm. than the remit of these other weather apps. And they do have professional associations that depend on them for, they would argue, much more important things mm-hmm. than just whether I'm going to get a bit of soggy uh, on my uh, walk uh, with the dog. Um, just in terms of what you do, I've known you as Carlo Weather. Um, online an awful lot. Why did you get into um, meteorology? Snow, actually, funnily enough, was the main reason. Um, I have a real interest from from when I was younger. Why would it snow? Why didn't it snow? And trying to kind of forecast that. And I started looking at different things. And then in 2008, I bought a weather station. And that time... What is a weather station? So it it really just records the, the simple you know, weather, what's happened at the moment. So your, your basic things like temperature, um, wind speed, wind direction, rainfall, measuring rainfall, your barometer, humidity, and then it gets a bit technical. And then it gets into what's called a dew point, which is actually a calculation based on a, a few dew point. Dew point, yeah. Like, like dew, like it's like the temperature which water the- will turn basically from the air into moisture. So it when the dew point drops to a certain temperature, you're much more likely to have snow fall from the sky rather than rain. So that kind of trying to find a dew point for your area is not that easy. But when you have your own weather station, you can you can do it. But also then I decided to set up the website because I work for Black Knight. So websites, you know, now I wasn't working with them at the time, but still inv- involved in IT and stuff. So I set up caraweather.com and I thought it was really interesting that I could see the weather in my back garden every 60 seconds live on a website. Because, you know, and even still a lot of, a lot of the updates, like Met Aaron's main, you know, national, national update from the weather stations is only once an hour on Met.ie. So all of the weather stations, so the Oak Park weather station in Carlow, every hour it updates and tells me what, you know, the last hour was, what the max wind was, what the temperature was. So you're kind of left waiting every hour for an update. So when the storm is coming or when you have you know some interesting weather in terms of snow and that, you're waiting for an hour as we're every 60 seconds. So in 2010, my station recorded minus 17.7. 
because it's in a bit of a frost mm. hollow, which was the coldest temperature in the country. So it kind of got a bit of interest, and, and I think it was uh, an online board picked it up, and everyone was looking at this temperature dropping every 60 seconds. So it kind of got a bit of interest from there, and, and then um, I've, I've, I basically started the social media. So, uh, you know, the weather station does its thing. I don't really do a whole lot with it. It automatically just records and updates the website. So then I started reading weather charts and kind of doing forecasts, and that's really where the, the social media comes from because I, I try and deliver the information and show I show the charts and then I try and break it down into kind of layman's terms and you know you're going to be able to get the washing out tomorrow the farmers are going to be able to spray the fields kind of thing yeah that I mean that's the big thing isn't it because I look at some of those weather charts including one or two that you post and I'm kind of struggling to make head or tail of them that there always seem to be a load of random triangles <laughs> floating about pointing in these weird directions then somebody said oh watch out there's a high pressure what is, is that is the high pressure not good no no oh look there's a low pressure that's even worse yeah you know and it's- and, and the the color coding as well is sometimes odd as well like i'm never sure whether if something the darker something does it mean it's warmer or colder yeah, a lot of people mention that. Is red good or is red bad? Because yeah. your red warning means, you know, really serious Red's bad, that's but really then bad. kind of orange is kind of is lightly warmer, so maybe that's good. Yeah, so when you're, when, it really depends on what the chart is. And as you said, most people don't read the charts. They're not as nerdy about the weather as I am, so they don't read the charts. So, But the reason I put them there is to kind of show people that this is what it's based off. And some people mm. can kind of grasp it, but it's more really, I suppose, to show that, you know, sometimes like the difference, I suppose, between what I do and what my Aaron does is that I would talk about what might happen. So, mm. for example, if the weather... Do you ever use the term hectopascal? <laughs> no. Or don't. isobar? You know, I, I suspect there's people over a certain age in Ireland, I'd say over the age of, say, 35, 40, are familiar with an awful lot of the language around weather without having a clue with an isobar hectopascal because we all sat there watching the six o'clock or the nine o'clock news we all sat there during the uh, the weather report afterwards mm. we listened to these terms you know drifting slowly something's rising there's some station in Belmullet saying that something's about to happen yeah it reminds me a little bit when i was a kid um it, we'd listen to the radio and the, a lot of the ads in Morning Ireland were actually farming ads. So you'd have ads about, you know, the, the danger of liver fluke, right? Now, I still don't really know what a liver fluke is, but I could kind of chat to you about it, you know, in terms of how best to treat it. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I remember my grandfather was a gardener and like the, the weekly farming forecast was the Bible. You know, you couldn't dare yeah. speak during the farming forecast because it was giving the longest range for the whole week. Mm. And that and that's kind of, you know, was I saying, that's kind of something that I look at. So without getting into the isobars and Hescapascals and looking at where, like like the shipping, the shipping uh, forecast or the sea area forecast is still very much like you just described, but the general mm. forecasts aren't. But it's hard for Met Aaron to say, it might be stormy next Saturday, you know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. in fairness to them, where to lay out the evidence. And it also has to lay out the evidence in the most monotone voice possible. <laughs> there can be no hint of any drama yeah. or emotion at any level. I mean, that's the other thing about weather forecasts, certainly in Ireland anyway. Because in the, in the, in the UK, those of us who had the English channels mm-hmm. when we were kids, BBC, 
you know, Michael Fish and people like that, they'd sort of inject a little bit. Now, not American levels yeah. of enthusiasm, but a little bit of it. And we should have you know, quite a cold even coming up in Bristol, that that stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas we, 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 our typical thing is, you know, and we see a warm front is approaching across the West Coast and should reach. And I, like, it's slightly mesmerizing, but the, the, the number of times I've come through a full weather report and I don't actually remember anything that was said it's just sort of been like music like background yeah. noise you know? see to be fair to Medair, and i would defend them in this instance they're trying to deliver a forecast for a whole island mm. in the space of maybe 90 seconds or 180 mm. seconds you know and and to try and it's like aa Roadwatch for the whole country yeah in 90 seconds and, yeah. and trying to do that you know in one quick update is really very difficult for them and and i suppose the problem is is that we get so much centralized news and that so they're trying to be the calm consistent voice so to be fair i would mm. i would understand that but as i say like i can show i will often show the ec MWF weather model and the GFS weather model. And I'll say, look at this. The two of them are completely in disagreement as to what's going to happen next weekend. So if you're trying to plan for next weekend and you're looking at your weather apps, they're going to change every day. And that really can like give people an idea of why those weather apps are automatically updating changing so frequently but if you uh, by the way just to call back there ecm gfs that's european and american right no ecm wf is the european center for medium range yeah. forecast the gfs is the global forecast system from the, the global US. one right yeah. okay yeah and that's the that's us now the, yeah. the ecm does cover america and actually around hurricane mm. season it gets really interesting because the americans get really annoyed when the european weather model outperforms their weather model and mm. is better at forecasting the uh, the track of a hurricane and that that's actually really interesting I, I when hurricane season gets going now next month it's really interesting to watch the track and the forecast of those different weather models and that's where you can see how they can differ so you know you can see a, a hurricane heading for a particular part of the us and the weather app obviously will be showing that but then all of a sudden the turn you know, the, the turn that it takes is completely different and the app will change so they're more used to that i suppose than maybe than where we are and i think like you're talking about drama. If you ever if you ever want to have a laugh, Google um search thunder snow and look at a YouTube video of a US forecaster who was out in some really heavy snowfall with thunder and he gets more excited than any of the Metairn weather presenters have ever or will ever get because he was live presenting during thunder snow, which is quite a rare thing. To get thunder and snow together is quite a rare thing. So you know they 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 dramatize it a lot more and they inject you know a lot of kind of I suppose can be sensational. So we do we we kind of don't want to go down that route either because we don't want you know to turn into oh my god God, there's a wind coming. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's it's 60 kilometers an hour. It's not really. Well, the closest I ever see to that is sometimes if you Google something uh, or if you go into Google News or search or whatever, you'll see there's a Dublin Live um, uh, uh, service and whatever the weather is, they'll always bring it up a notch or two just to really, you know, give it socks. I kind of say it has to sort of work. Yeah, it works. I mean, I will sometimes click and they'll talk about a big freeze or mm-hmm. they'll talk about, you know, kind of biblical floods or, yeah. or, or whatever. And um, But I do wonder why there isn't a market for a more popular, populist, um, slightly more showbizy style weather service in Ireland. Yeah, and you're right, because unfortunately, a lot of my tweets get embedded into those articles. And obviously, I have no control over the headline that goes on that. So I'll have a tweet that says it may turn rather unseasonable, you know, or it could be rather wet and windy at the weekend. 
and then the headline will be complete washout as weather morning <laughs> is expected or, you know. Batten down the hatches, yeah, folks. Yeah, and people then will see my tweet and they'll send me a message going, you didn't say that. I don't have control over how my tweets are embedded or used. But you're right. Hmm. There probably is, you know, a little bit, but really and truly, Irish people vary so much. You know, what's wet and windy to you in an awful day to somebody like a farmer who has to be out in it as well, used to it, it's just a grand soft day with a bit of wind. Mm, so, mm. you know, it really does depend on your outlook as well because the weather extremes for you and for me maybe not so extreme for others. And then some people will message me absolutely terrified of winds and different things and, that, that, you know, they won't go outside the house if there's a yellow weather warning where other people will, will say yellow, it's only yellow, you know. So... It, when it comes to weather, it's a very emotive thing in Ireland as well, because everybody wants to have, you know, a say on the weather. And it wasn't that bad. Oh, now you should have been up at three o'clock in the morning. You would have heard the wind then it was howling, you know. So it's a very emotive topic as well, actually. Mm. In your 10 or 11 years then of kind of mapping all of this, have you noticed any change in the weather and patterns here in Ireland? Yeah, certainly. I think we've we've seen more extreme events, you know, um, and and some of those like Hurricane Ophelia was one that stands out, you know. Seen when was that again? That was twenty. Ooh, was it twenty eighteen? Mm, okay, I have to remember. Um, obviously, then as well, the, the, you know, it it's it's kind of everywhere. So we've had drought. We've had you know quite warm. We've had twenty ten snow and cold event. The twenty eighteen storm Emma event. Um, now, if you look back historically, you will find events that were, you know, more serious than those. But the number that we've seen in, in recent years does certainly, you know, support the trend of more extreme weather. The only thing is we do have to be very careful about mixing weather and climate because, mm. you know, if, you, if you're trying to get into a conversation about weather and climate and somebody picks a, a fact from the 1800s and says, well, it was colder back then than it is now or mm. it was warmer. You know, I- individual weather events don't make weather you know, climate trends. So you have to be careful about that. You do need to look at the long-term trends and the average temperature has been rising, but you will get months like April just gone, coldest mm. on record ever at Dublin. It was very, it was a very cold month. Yeah, yeah it's a cold, I mean, the, the Dublin airport records go back 78 years and that was the coldest mm. April in 78 years. So, you know, you have to be careful about how you use that kind of information because... But when people talk about, uh, you know, hurricanes, floods, uh, droughts, fires that we see mm-hmm. in places like California and Australia. And there is an association there with climate change, clearly, as in it, it is talked about in the same terms. I mean, is it fair to talk about it in those terms? I think it's fair to talk about the frequency and, and how extreme they might be. So, you know, if you get more free, you get more extreme events more frequently, I think you can, mm. you can then take a, talk about a trend. But picking out one of those individual events I don't think that helps mm. anybody because somebody can pick out an individual event from, you know, 80 years ago before climate change was an issue and say, but back then we had a more extreme version. So I, I don't think any individual event, but certainly I think the trends can be used. And, you know, you do also have to be careful about statistics because weather stations get moved around. Like, you know, Kilkenny had a Met station for years and years and years, but due to urban sprawl, that got moved to Oak Park and Carlow. Now, they're not usually far apart, but trying to compare those two when you're looking at a trend of 0.1 degree or 0.2 degree or 0.3 right. degrees. It could, yeah, there could be a 0.1 or 0.2 degree yeah, of a difference there. You yeah, you have to be careful because even Dublin Airport, the station at Dublin Airport, because of developments has moved has moved around the airport mm. and, and very small changes in location can have a very small change, but 
that can have a big impact on a trend. So you could you could see 0.2 of a degree different on average, but is that because it moves stations? So you have to be very careful about statistics. Or, or whether it's urban or rural, an area that becomes uh, urbanized. Yeah. Often at certain times, you look at slightly warmer because of just because of the heat coming from buildings, et cetera. Yeah, more concrete, more buildings radiating heat, et cetera. And, and funnily enough, one of the questions I get about a lot of people uh, from a lot of people is about getting a weather station and, sh- you know, where, where should I put it? And what I always say to people is the weather station in your back garden will tell you what the weather is in your back garden. So it may mm. not be great for the general overall if you go out 20 kilometers, 30 kilometers, but it is the weather in your back garden. So if you're surrounded by tall buildings and you get a warmer temperature in your back garden, well, then that's what the weather station is going to report. It doesn't mean that it's the same, you know, two kilometers away and your weather station is showing. And that's why met air stations are generally put into an area that there are, you know, nothing around them. Um, for example, the Oak Park station is, is surrounded by fields. You know, Dublin Airport, obviously the airport is very open, you know, so there is there is reasons for selecting those, but that doesn't mean you can't put a weather station in your back garden. And from a tech point of view, there's some really good weather stations out there now that you can you can put into your back garden and like that you can open up that app on your phone and you can see exactly what it is in your back garden any time of the day. When again, just to ask you again about weather stations, I mean, is this something you can just buy online? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, there's loads of them now. Um, and how big are they? What does it look like? They vary a lot. So some of them are kind of the real old kind of fashioned. Um, have a little rain bucket, but it has a tipping bucket that tips the rain to record it, and then it has you know a, a thermometer sensor, and it has a little you know wind vane and wind anemometer that that gives you those. And some of them have become a lot more kind of high tech. So there's one called Bloom Sky, which is kind of like, it's just an, um, a sensor. It's almost like maybe a Google Home type device that's outdoors. And it has sensors built in that will record, you know, the temperature and the humidity and the barometer. And also it'll show you a live view of the sky. So you can see a webcam. So it has built in a view of it as well. So they do vary a lot, but there's lots of... What, what do you use now? I have what's called a Davis uh, Vantage Pro 2 Plus, which is a little bit more high spec. So it, it, it costs about 13, 1400 euro. Um, it's it's got the same sensors. The only difference is the quality of the sensors. So if you get a, a cheap thermometer or a cheaper weather station and you put it out and the sun is hitting that sensor, the plastic around it is going to heat. So it's kind of like sometimes when you get into your car and you're not driving your car, the thermometer could say it's 25 degrees, but the air and local station will say it's only 19 or 20 degrees. So you have to be careful about how the sensors overheat. So you know, the weather stations of Air News use what's called a very old Stevenson screen, which is basically woods with, with lats in it, lets the air in, but doesn't allow the sun to hit the sensor directly. Mine has something very similar. It has a shield. It's called a fan assisted radiation shield or FARS. So it sucks the air up and basically gives you an accurate meteorology. You love your abbreviations in your acronyms, I know. It gets really nerdy really quick. But in general, it's just a higher quality station. But I also have a couple of webcams. And and it's funny, a lot of people actually use the webcams now, including some of the hang gliders and paragliders that often message me because they need to see the sky conditions. Um, And the people, you know, want to see what it's like. And then I have people who email me. Where do hang gliders go from i haven't i don't I haven't seen any hang gliders mount leinster so they use my weather station because it's quite near to mount leinster my webcams actually face is there like a cliff there you can just jump off they, or is they it literally take sloping? a run take a run and jump off the side of the mountain wow 
Yeah. But if it's sheer enough that you can do that, it's not just a slow. No, no, it's, just... yeah, yeah. I've, I've often been up huh. there and witnessed them doing it on a bank holiday Monday. Um, and it's, it's really impressive to see them, but they, they use the webcams for that. I also had um, a follower email me when the webcam stopped working from America because she enjoyed looking at the cows in the Irish fields. You know, so it's, it's, but, wow. but, but again, it goes back to forecast. I see, I see Twitch in your future. I see a Twitch stream <laughs> with a monetizable Twitch stream. Actually, do you can you make any money from this? Do you make any money from this? No, it's just a hobby. Um, so the only thing at the moment. Why is, not, Alan? I mean, I, lots of people say that I am a brand ambassador for Auto Image Carlo, who are uh, a Renault and uh, Dacia dealer. Um, and I've actually been driving a Renault and Dacia. Yeah, and I've been driving a fully electric Zoe actually for the last couple of months, um, which is interesting because I last had an electric car in 2014, and the range has increased dramatically. So it's uh, it's nice to get it. How much do you get off the Zoe? You get 300 easy. You get kilometers. Yeah. yeah. When you say 300 easy, what kind of driving are you talking about? I've never gotten 300 kilometers off an electric car. Um, mixed driving. Um, so, you know, a bit of bit of kind of 100 kilometer roads, 80 kilometer roads, town driving. Not a lot of motorway driving now, to be fair, but a bit of motorway driving. Like, the, the, I think the full range would be about 360, 380 kilometers. So, you know, you won't get that really if you're kind of driving it normally. But yeah, no, it, I, I've been really surprised by it, actually. And how quickly do you recharge it? Um, so I've been charging it overnight, um, which hasn't really been kind of, because right. I haven't. But you haven't, so have you ever tried to recharge it in the public network? Yeah, I, I went to the fast charger. Um, it has the 50 kilowatt fast charger on it. So I was able to get right. from around 20% to 80% in about 30 minutes. Mm. You know, it was, it was, it was pretty quick to be fair. Even, even 30 minutes though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like the, the, the real thing is for me. I, you know, I always said when we get to about four or 500 kilometers, when you don't have to worry about charging yeah. other than, you know, once a day, really. But at the moment, even 300 kilometers, like the fact that I can drive to Dublin from Carlow and back without having to worry about a charge. Mm. Oh, that's a big that's deal. A big change. Yeah, that's, I mean, if I'm driving to Mayo, though, I mean, yeah, there just isn't a car that will do it for me. Now, people will say, oh, you know, why don't you just get a Tesla? I'm like, I don't have about 150 grand. Yeah. You know? The only thing I'd say is that the granny cable, I've been using the granny cable, actually. Um, mm. And like that, if you're driving to the west and you're going to drive and you're going to stay kind of, you're not going to go too far away and you're going to charge overnight. To be fair, the granny cable does does give you that option. They are expensive. No, no, for for sure. Yeah, expensive. And B, there's a lot of ifs there. Mm-hmm. I mean, so my okay, typical scenario would be I want to drive there. When I'm there, I often want to drive around the area. And that's very often mm-hmm. 80, 100 kilometers a day. Yeah. Um, I, I need flexibility. Yeah. But it, the only thing is, if you did drive there and you did charge the granny cable for like 12 hours or more, like, mm. and then you'd be able to top it up each day with the granny cable, it would be okay. But Oh, no. I mean, absolutely. And there is a there is a use case there. It's just, there are a lot of, there are quite a lot of restrictions in terms of what I can do, do now. Now, some of that is in my head because I have a car that sits in the driveway at the moment during the lockdown, you know, for like 95% of the time, a little bit less when the lockdown ends. But um, I've wanted to buy an electric car, I'd say for certainly for seven or eight eight years. Mm -hmm. I was one of the first people to test drive the Nissan Leaf. Absolutely loves everything about it in terms of the driving experience. Fantastic. Um, Range, forget it. Absolute disaster. Mm -hmm. Um, Charging in a public network. Sorry, no. Um, even if I find a, a place um, that will charge it for me, 
there's about a 20 to 30% chance of somebody else is using it. So 30 minutes then goes to 60 yeah. minutes. That, you know? that has improved since they started charging for it. Now that everyone can't get it for free, they're not as busy mm. as they were. But it, that is going to be a chicken and egg because the more electric cars to sell, then the more public infrastructure is going to be needed. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's certainly not. I think... I think the nature of how we use cars will change with electric cars. I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where, you know, you be coming off the M1 motorway or the M7 or whatever, and there's a refueling station there and there's, you know, 30 electric mm-hmm. charging. I mean, there, there may there, there may be, but I'm just not sure that people are going to be willing to hang around yeah. for 30 to 40 minutes um, each time. I, I just think... As you said, be more planned. Yeah, people will plan their journeys. That may be not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there are a lot of things about motoring that are are bad habits. But I don't think you can compare it to the relative freedom that you have now. That you just go anywhere mm-hmm. at any time, night or day, you'll find somewhere where you can refuel. It's never a problem. Yeah, I had a you know? I had a red old Cadger, and you know, you fill it up with diesel, and you get a thousand kilometers on your dash. And you I, can, I'm you pretty can, much the you same. You can drive yeah. that empty it and then in five minutes be back to a thousand so absolutely yeah, it's hard to compare yeah. it's hard it's impossible for for an electric car to match that and just last so how does a brand ambassador work you essentially you get to drive around their car is that yeah it? so essentially i drive around the car and i basically post some some experiences with it and it's often uh-huh. often kind of in the fit photos i take i take a lot of photography a lot of drone photography a lot of photography as part of car the weather as well so the odd time you'll spot the car in it really but i, I try not to do too much I, I don't kind of put it in your face too often um but uh, have they drafted you into any ads yet like do you have to do any of these like turning around i use a zoe <laughs> No, thankfully not yet. Anyway, <laughs> I'll be giving them ideas. Um, that'd be funny. Anyway, look, Alan O'Reilly from Carla Weather also works for Black Knight. Thank you very much for coming on the show today to talk about, mainly about weather apps, but also we got into a lot of other uh, topics there. I know I'm going to get one or two narky emails up from the electric car because I always do. Whenever I try and point out the potential negatives, there's this semi-religious kind of thing that comes back oh, you're obviously in the pay of the fossil fuel blah, blah, blah. anyway um but that is all we have time for this week so for me adrian weckler take out of the irish and sunday independent uh, talk to you next week bye-bye